broadcasting from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's time for Kick Set with USA Swimming, bringing you interviews with athletes, coaches, and experts from age group swimming to the national and Olympic teams. Hello, and welcome to the Kick Set Podcast. I am your host, Dan McCarthy. I hope you've enjoyed all the championship events the last couple of weekends, specifically the men's and women's NCAA Division I swimming championships. Congratulations to the Virginia women and the Texas men on their victories. And best wishes and happy trails to head coach Eddie Reese, who just announced his retirement from Texas. Before we get started today, I want to encourage you to visit the USA Swimming website for information on our upcoming events. You can find info there for the Tier Pro Series at Mission, Open Water Nationals, and Olympic Trials. All the information can be found at usaswimming.org backslash events. Speaking of open water, our guest today is Catherine Case, head coach of the United States Open Water Olympic Team. For more information on open water, go to usaswimming.org and scroll over the Swimmers and Parents tab. Uh, you'll find more information on our open water page right there. Also, this month is uh, Women's History Month. On usaswimming.org, scroll down to the news section for write-ups on female swimmers, trailblazers, women's relay teams, coaches, and more. As I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Catherine Case. She's a three-time head coach of the United States open water swim team. She is the former associate head coach of the USC Trojans. And we had a great chat about her philosophies on motivating athletes, um, the evolution of open water training, what she did as an athlete and early on as a coach and what's happening now are a little different and we get her insight. And of course, she's going to break down the open water Olympic field for us as nobody else can do. Let's take a listen. Catherine, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. Um, I am well aware of what your last year has been like, but uh, for our people listening, um, you're in Boise, Idaho now, correct? I am. Yes. Uh, my husband's business, um, he's got two partners and they moved the headquarters to Boise. And um, so, you know, it's a new state. I've never lived in the Mountain West. Um, I've survived a winter, so I, I think that's good. Uh, I've never actually lived in a landlocked state. So I've mm. always been on the coast of North Carolina, um, Mississippi, Virginia, and California. So I operate under the theory that the people of Idaho are not letting all of us know how beautiful this state is um, <laughs> because they don't want us overrunning it. It's amazing. Yeah, it is beautiful. And, and I found a lake and um, actually did some open water swims with a, a girl that came up this past summer. And so, yeah, really, it, it's it's all four seasons and I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad if everybody doesn't know that you are our head coach for the open water Olympic team again. Thank you. Yes, it's it is such an honor. I've been involved with open water since 2005. And so it, it is really a passion of mine. And I'm 
just excited about what the year holds. And um, regardless of all the change and everything that's happening, I think that our Olympians, Jordan, Haley, and Ashley are, are all going to be in a great place and be ready to, um, to represent the United States. Yeah. Our, uh, I had Ashley on a couple months ago um, because we already have Olympians. They're there. They made it. No trials. So it's, super important for people to keep remembering that. I, it's crazy that, um, you know, they qualify in the summer of 2019 and <laughs> they get their chance to compete. It will be two years later. And right. um, as great as it is, I think there are, it does come with some other challenges as well. And right. I do want to, I want to dive into that question of experience versus, you know, adding another year later on, but I want to step back a little bit right now um, because I know our listeners, um, we have athletes, we have parents, we have coaches. And I guess my first question is if you have, uh, if your child or your one of your swimmers is a, a good open or a good miler, say like a junior national level, um, are they, if they like open water swimming, is that a good head start? I, I'm absolutely. I, I think our, uh, we need to get more opportunities for athletes in the United States to swim open water races um, and to get experience. Um, I think that is one thing that we we lack race experience as a country. Um, the, the Europeans have a lot of places to race. And um, I think we're still developing in that way. And it, it's it's a whole new avenue that if, if you have a child that is interested in, in distance swimming or just loves to be outside and compete. Um, I, I mean, if you look at our Olympians, they're all older. They've already finished college and had really successful careers. And uh, it's another opportunity to make a national team and to enjoy that experience, you know, with USA Swimming. And um, the camps are really fun. There's been an open water select camp I've been a part of years ago. And uh, that's another um, great place to learn about the sport. And, um, you know, I, I think the fun part about open water is that you're, you're never, you're, you're always learning about mm -hmm. every race. Is different. Um, you can have challenges throughout a race, whether it be a 5k, a 10k, a 3k, and you can still have a great experience and be successful. Absolutely. And if people, if people don't know, like, I think every LSC is required to have an open water chairman and they at least have one open water competition a year. Um, if somebody's interested, they should just sign up for it, you know? Absolutely. I, I don't think that, um, you know, I, I think pool swimming and open water swimming go hand in hand. And mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think there's maybe a time that you prioritize one over the other, but you it, it, I don't think they're going to negate from each other. Yeah. I'm not sure when the start date for open water was, but I know in Pittsburgh in the nineties, we had open water race at least once a year. Um, so if we can throw one down in Pittsburgh, yes, <laughs> you should be able to have one anywhere. You know? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. And I think that a, a big movement was getting open water added to the Olympic games in 2008. Yeah. Um, and, and, I was fortunate enough to be with great coaches like Rick Walker and Steve Munitones, um, Denny Ryther, and they really uh, gave me an opportunity to ask a lot of questions um, and really sort of started my passion and um, 
you know, enthusiasm for the sport. They, I asked them a lot of questions and <laughs> they were really helpful. I want to dig a little bit into the training aspect because I consider you, you know, in that class of people now, just based on your experience, where you've been, who you've had the opportunity to work with and working um, at the national team and watching open water evolve since, you know, since I came on in 2005, the training I believe is a lot different. Um, but I would be interested into what you think has been the evolution of training over the last decade, decade and a half. Sure. I think there was always um, this assumption that if you swim the 10K, then that's you have to be swimming 10K in practice each time and you need to go to a lake and swim for two and a half hours. And, um, you know, maybe there maybe there is a place for that for some athletes. Um, but as far as a philosophy goes, I, I think for me, it, it's more of understanding your athlete and knowing what type of athlete they are, what do they need, um, how are they going to thrive. I, I think about Chip Peterson in 2005, you know, he was 16, 17 mm -hmm. years old. And, and I look back at the practices and I, it, it was much more um, aerobic work, I would say, uh, probably different than I had done with Haley Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I think that had I given her some of the same workouts all the time or the same structure, I'm not sure she, she wouldn't have just gotten bored and said, I, I don't want to do this. Um, you know, Chip thrived training in open water at times. And I don't think every national team athlete loves swimming in the open water. Um, so I think there's a time and a place for everything, but as a coach, I always want to stay flexible and, and know the athlete um, and really focus on the process. I think creating, um, creating a relationship where the athlete is going to buy in and trust you is the number one. That's the most sure. important um, because they need to be able to learn after races or why am I buying into doing this training right now? Um, and, and without trust, um, you know, I think you, you can't, can't really go all the way. I remember being at an open water, it might've been a camp workout, I don't know, maybe 2007, 2006. And one of the sets, it was probably a, a close to an hour long swim, but it was, you were not allowed to push off the walls. You <laughs> pull your turns, right? That's, that's disappeared, right? We're not doing that to kids anymore. <laughs> I mean, Again, there's times to take out the lane lines and maybe swim around the pool. And again, I think it's about having an environment um, yeah. that where you can create something that is fun and exciting. And I remember uh, Dave at USC one time took out all the lane lines and threw buoys in all four corners. And we had the sprinters racing the middle distance kids. And I, there's something about taking away the wall at times, mm -hmm. which really, um, I, I saw some of our sprinters going faster in 125 yards than I think they ever would have done with a wall just because they wanted to beat their roommates, uh, <laughs> straight up head to head race. Um, but you're right. Certainly that it's not, I don't think that type of training happens regularly. Um, not what I'm seeing with, you know, our, our top swimmers in the national team or what I'm seeing internationally. I think you, 
um, there is a need for endurance. There's a need for speed work. There's a need for kicking. There's a need for resistance training. Um, it, and, and mental, you know, the, the mental fortitude that you have to have to compete at the highest level is also important. And, and that, that comes with time. And I think when you have an opportunity to work with an athlete over a period of years, um, you learn what, what their needs are and how they change. And, you, you know, you kind of, you grow from there. The, the level of the open water swimmer, it's not, it's almost, I was going to say it's not unusual, but they are world-class pool swimmers now, if not Olympians. And oh. that's, that's significant change. Um, is that here to stay? I think so. I'm, I think I've seen the change on the men's side um, prior, internationally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have the Italian Paul Tineri, you have Florian Welbrock, you have Jordan Wilimowski, um, and all those guys are 1445, 1430 mile long course. Right. I, <laughs> so definitely going around buoys and not pushing off a wall does make a difference. Um, but, you know, if you want to be the best in the world, I feel right now you need to be able to swim a fast 1500. Um, on the women's side, I think we're seeing the Olympic field looks, uh, it, again, it is extremely fast when we have Ashley and Haley that are both potential spots yeah. on the Olympic team for the pool. Um, and the, the, the remaining women in the field um, probably have more experience racing than I would say speed. And, um, you know, training in the pool is absolutely important, but I do put um, a large emphasis on race experience. And I really believe that you learn a lot about what you need to put together to, to win an international race um, by just having the experience racing internationally because there is no you're not racing the clock you're you're racing the people around you in a four loop course six loops whatever it is uh, and you just really need to get your hand on the finish pad first so since i have you here the olympic games we're mere months out now from this um and you 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 mentioned a few names right there on the on the men's side um is this the because of the extra year, is this the deepest field we've ever had for the Olympic Open Water 10K? I, I believe this is the fastest field. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I think you're starting to see more transition from the pool into open water. Um, I think athletes are um, exploring, like I said, other opportunities to perhaps win a medal, to make an Olympic Games. Um, Again, I don't think it takes anything away from from their pool swimming. Right. If they, if they if as a coach you've prepared them mentally, emotionally, you know, physically. And the expectation, I mean, our athletes are going to be right there. I I believe so. Um, yeah. And a fifteen hundred time, you you can you know I like to look at times on paper to to help prepare an athlete for, you know, watch out for this person. This isn't an, an eight twenty four eight hundred freestyler. Um, just to know who who does flat out have great speed, yeah. um, 
but many times these races do come down to um, the, the last 400 yards and the, the differential in first and third can be, you know, point two. Right. Photo uh, finishes. So we've you, seen some of those. Yes. <laughs> it's so exciting. I mean, yeah. and I think that's the thing that I do love um, about open water racing is that it's, it's not just the training, it's not just the experience, but there's there's strategy and um, there are a lot of highs and lows that happen throughout the race and the communication with your athlete before and after. Um, I, I really think it sort of takes the best of everything and puts it together. Right. Recently, last week, I think they uh, announced that they're not going to be any foreign spectators um, in Japan for this. and. I'm pretty sure the uh, one of the nice things about the Japanese fans is they cheer for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, generally good hosts for all the competitions that we've had there. Um, but the impact of the fans on the open water race, maybe not as significant as the pool. I, yes, there are many races. You walk out to the ocean and you don't see anyone. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> except your coach on a feeding dock once every 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think with open water, the, the athletes that perform the best are adaptable and we tell them to expect the unexpected. Things are constantly changing. Um, maybe the race starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we get to a venue and we find out, you know, a couple of days before it's actually going to be at 4 PM because of the tides or the temperature and, um, the, the athletes that can handle that the best. Okay. You know, they can adapt, they, they remain flexible, um, then th- that's just part of the sport. And I know that's different than pool swimming where there's a timeline and coaches right. know exactly what to expect and you know your lane. Um, and the open water is, you know, out, outside and um, a lot of things happen beyond your control. And I actually think it's a great life lesson. Um, and certainly one that we've all been dealing with in the last year. And so I believe that it's really difficult for the Olympians to hear that there will not be fans. Uh, It probably took some time for them to digest that, but my guess is they will be be ready to race regardless. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do something special for them with their other families. Right. So USA Swimming has been celebrating National Women's History Month um, all month long via the uh, the Trailblazers. We've had you know featured different women that have been influential on the history of swimming all month long. And I wanted to take this opportunity to ask you, um, what women were influential for you in the sport of swimming? Um, and sometimes maybe it's your mom. You know, you know, the, 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 you know, or somebody you know. practice, you know, <laughs> how did you know it was my mom? <laughs> Cause that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think I, uh, you know, I went to college at North Carolina and being surrounded by such, um, a, a, an, an expectation of excellence in all sports there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. So I'm not singling out one female, but I know I was surrounded by great swimmers. Um, There was a great history of 
of female Olympians at North Carolina. And, um, you know, so as far as saying there's one person, I, I can't really say that, but I can say that I, I knew that I was surrounded by greatness and an expectation. And, um, you know, that really motivated me to be my best and uh, to encourage those around me to be their best as well. Um, a lot of times it, my roommates, um, you know, girlfriends kind of keeping you humble and yeah, and also just reminding you things that are important. Um, and so I would have to say when I made the jump into college coaching and um, I moved from North Carolina out to Southern California, Cindy Gallagher sat me down uh, at, for coffee and she said, no, I am telling you, California is way different than North Carolina. Are you prepared? And so I, I always felt like I had her for um, somebody to lean on and, and give me some advice in, in the coaching world. Um, and then, you know, you, as a coach, you seek out other women that you aspire to be like, and that you see them being successful and working with their athletes. And, you know, I'm not afraid to call up Carol at Texas or, yep. you know, Carrie at Cal and just say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any suggestions for me? Um, and I've been really fortunate to work with great coaches and USA Swimming really has done a nice job. Um, you know, I'm not afraid when I walk on deck to go talk to other coaches and ask them questions because I found coaches really love talking about themselves and what they've learned and they really want to share it. And I, I do think that is something that I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to establish relationships with other coaches um, and really be okay learning from them and and knowing that I don't know it all and there could be another way to do things. Um, and I, I think another important thing has been to making sure that I, I stay true to myself as a coach and not trying to be Dave Salo, not trying right. to be John or Banchek, but I wanna build my toolbox and my resources. And then I'm gonna make sure that I put my spin on things. Um, and, and then I feel like really that's the most authentic that I can be and I can get the best out of other people. Okay. Um, I've been making some notes throughout the year. And so we have, uh, I think there, I, I forget her name, but she was an assistant coach for the 49ers. Um, and Becky Hammond, uh, ever, uh, uh, Pop got kicked out of a game. She ended up taking over and coaching a game for the Spurs, uh, which was the the first woman to lead a game. Um, the Mets, or no, the Marlins have a female GM, um, Kim Ning of, uh, I guess, yeah, Miami Marlins. The national team director of USA Swimming is Lindsay. Uh, mm -hmm. And we've had many Olympic co head coaches that are women. So as the sports industry is a trailblazer and has got this all figured out and everything's good, right? I, I think that women need to continue to have, uh, be provided these opportunities. Yeah. Um, you, you know, everybody, you know, you, each individual is gonna take advantage of the opportunities that they have. And I think women need more of those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, you know, strongly encourage, um, you know, other women that want to get in, 
into leadership roles um, to really lean on other women and find out what they can learn. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel confident that I've been able to work with men and women. And I, and yeah. I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. And I can bring something different than, you know, perhaps a male in my same situation. But um, yeah, I think that we're, it's just starting and gaining momentum. And you, mm-hmm. like you said, you can look at all these other professional sports and um, hopefully we'll get some more female head coaches in the NCAA as well. And I, I, I'm waiting for the power five conference to name a woman, the head coach of a men's team, mm-hmm. whether it be swimming, you know, okay, even a combined program. I mean, men have been the head coach of combined programs for, a century <laughs> it's not a century because women weren't competing 100 years ago um but <laughs> it's not on un- i mean it's not unusual um and i i just you're just missing out on 50 percent of the population and the resource they may provide at that level seems silly yes and i i think that um Again, I was fortunate to have the support of USC and, and Dave to be able to work with. I really enjoyed working with a combined team. I, yeah. you know, I love coaching the men. I love coaching the women. Love coaching both together. Um, and again, I just think we need more opportunities for, for women to be able to, to gain confidence and uh, you know, try out new things. And um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that at times females do have to work differently and maybe things might look different, um, whether you have a family, depending on your staff size, depending how you want to run your team. And so I just think those are all things that we're continuing to learn and evolve and open people's minds. And um, so I, I think that, the, I do think the future is bright. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm gonna make a little shift here. Um, anytime I have an open water person on, I have to bring up the planes, trains, and automobiles segment of our podcast because nobody has more, in, I'm going to say interesting instead of horrific, more interesting experiences than my open water friends when it comes to travel. All right. And I did prep you ahead of time, but give me something. I mean, oh, I have so many. I don't know that we have enough time. <laughs> um, Gosh, I, in 2009 at World Championships, I remember the the finish, um, the um, the touchpad actually, there was a big storm that came and so it blew it away. So we had to cancel the, you know, they had to cancel the World Championship race and postpone it a day. Um, and so I just remember sitting, having coffee with Andrew Gemmel and Fran and um, we're like, well, I guess today's a, another rest day <laughs> for your real competition. And, um, you know, that that doesn't happen very often. Um, in 2014, we were in Australia and we had been preparing for a cold water race and training in open water probably once a day. Um, and the technical meeting the day before the race and they say, well, we, we're going to, we got to cancel our race. There are sharks, sharks. in the water. Um, yeah, sharks, the, where we had been training. And uh, the water quality isn't up to par. And so I said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, we're going to move the race to Hawaii. So next week, we're going to compete <laughs> at Junior Pan Packs. Um, so you can imagine, 
I actually think everyone, all the athletes were really excited to <laughs> extend uh, their pan pack experience um, and finish off in Hawaii. So, so we did that. Um, yeah. The, and these are part of all the great stories that come with open water and mm -hmm. the community of people and um, the camaraderie, uh, you know, I mean, gosh, there's, there's more, but um I think in 2015 in Kazan, we all, there was a flight leaving to go to Istanbul and it was three hours late. So as you can imagine, we're all running around the Istanbul airport for three hours, trying to probably on the phone with USA Swimming Travel Agent. Yep. <laughs> but they're, they're all part, part of it. And um, we try not to get too, too worked up about it. And really, uh, I think for me, it's been the experiences and the stories and, and the people. Well, it's amazing how they're funny now, but like, I remember waiting for an air Siberia flight and it, the plane landing and you're looking at it, like, I'm not getting on that. No way I'm getting on that plane. <laughs> and then you do and you get there and everything's fine. But at the time you're terrified. It's, it's insane. <laughs> oh, it, they're all things. I mean, I think the same in 2009, uh, we were feeding off a boat that was just anchored and the waves, the chop got bigger and bigger throughout the 25 K and. <laughs> It ended up moving. So when all the athletes came by to feed, the boat wasn't there and we're screaming <laughs> to them over oh, here. Uh, so it it's just par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, more to come for sure. So, well, speaking of travel, we've got plenty coming up this summer. And after a year of sitting inside and being isolated, I was wondering if you have any recommendations for people that will be traveling this summer, if they books to read, podcasts to listen to, something to binge. Uh, well, I I did binge on Yellowstone. Um, and that was actually a really great waste of time. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, as far as books, I've been reading Kristen Hanna, and they are very deep. Um, mm. The Great Alone, that took place in Alaska. Um, you know, Bryce Elser and Haley and Ashley and I all kind of talk about what books we're reading and okay. have a little text chain of, um, you know, oh, have you read this book yet? And the, I, I actually waited to read The Great Alone until after um, World Championships in 2019. I, I was about to start it and um, Bryce and Ashley said, do not start this book. I said, why? And they said, Catherine, it is so deep and traumatic and you will not have any energy for the races. So that scared me away. I was like, okay. So I don't think I attempted it a year later, <laughs> probably when I was home last April. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, and then, you know, as far as podcasts, I, I, I love anything about sports and um there's so much out there and it's a rabbit hole, just like social media. You listen to one podcast. I, I listed Brene Brown and then that leads to another one and um, Oprah's got one. So uh, right. I walk a lot and I, and I listen to podcasts. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Nice. Okay. Well, I want everybody to make sure that they listen to this podcast and all the ones we recorded for the last couple of years um, on their trips overseas this summer. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time today. Before I let you go, um, I know you're uh, kind of doing the social media detox. You're just on Instagram right now, right? Yes. 
Are you going to be posting your uh, travels from trials to camp to Japan, perhaps? Yes, I will. Definitely. Okay, so Definitely. Anything for to get Team USA excited and, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to know what the future holds. Every week sort of things change. Mm -hmm. uh, but with that, we, we have a games and we have our athletes and we're going to be ready to go on on august 4th and 5th and just really excited for for these if athletes want to follow you uh, if they want to follow you on instagram where what, what which what's your handle where should they look for you um cv swim cv swim but a lot of it is my 10 year old daughter <laughs> excellent <laughs> until january uh, until june 29th and then we'll go full on team usa right on okay well um enjoy the rest of your time in california you there for the rest of the week yes okay all right i look forward to seeing you trials thanks thanks for having me take care and thanks again to Catherine for that conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did uh, a few items to clean up here before i sign off for the day uh when Catherine and i were preparing for the podcast one of the things she mentioned was how important she believed the 25K open water event was to uh, our champion athletes, you know, especially our Olympians, who I believe all have made one team or another in the 25K distance. Uh, it's obviously a lot longer than the Olympic 10K, um, but qualifying in the 25K sometimes offers you an opportunity to get on a team um, that maybe you didn't make it um, in the 10K distance. Um, it opens up some training uh, avenues for you and uh, the preparation makes everything else you do in uh, open water seem, uh, I'm not going to say easier, but you're definitely more prepared. If you can successfully swim a 25K and understand the course and your feedings and everything that goes into it, um, you're, going to, you're going to comprehend what goes on during a 10K as well. And finally, uh, Catherine said that she is only on Instagram right now. Um, and uh, she plans on posting quite a bit once we get the trials and uh, moving on into the games. And you can find her at CV Swim on Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Kickset podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Ratings, reviews, they're all appreciated. Um, and I do read them when I get them. Um, enjoy the NCAA championships this weekend. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Kick Set with USA Swimming. Check out www.usaswimming.org slash kickset for more episodes and add Kick Set to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes.